Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Welcome back. Today, we're going to be focusing on a topic, actually. We talk a lot about this in our uh, book, Harris Rules, which is, by the way, one of the best-selling real estate books, books for real estate agents ever written, according to all the charts. And it's available um, everywhere, including your local bookstore, Barnes & Noble, and whatever else. Now, I have to do say, as I say that, it is kind of funny. I don't know how many books were ever written specifically for helping agents be successful. I'm going to guess if we're being completely... Probably a small category, but that's okay. I'll take it. Exactly. So so yeah, if you're going to compete in a niche and you want to dominate, don't have a lot of competitors. There's an idea for (laughs) you. But it is our category. Exactly. So what we're focusing on today is how to really nail your first impressions. And I want to set this up for you guys by thinking about something. So you're walking in uh, down a street. And Julie and I were just recently in, where were we? In, Miami. Uh, Miami, but what part of Miami? It was beautiful. Um, uh, Coral Gables. Coral Gables. And there was a, there was a couple really interesting uh, stretches of retail stores. And as we were walking down these, you know, there's a couple beautiful malls. You know, it's gorgeous. You, you folks who live in that part of the country, you know what I'm talking about. And every one of these stores that we'd walk past had spent, obviously, enormous amounts of money and time trying to make it so the first impression you had from the street side of their store was such that you're going to want to go in and maybe leave some of your money there, right? Now, they may have also, you know, have a salesperson staying in the doorway or something like that. So when you're a retail store, Bob's Pie Shop, right? Your sign's going to make a difference. Your lo- How easy it is to park, in and out's going to make a difference. The, if your windows are clean, right? Whether the lights are on, whether it says open really clearly on the door, the whole thing. So that are, when you're a retailer, that means you can essentially win or lose the client based on the first impression as they're actually seeing your store. As a real estate agent, where virtually everything is done, you know, virtually, you don't really have very many ways of having that first impression impact, which is one of the big reasons why a lot of you know consumers don't really differentiate one agent from the other. How, when is the last time some agent asks you know, your resume, your bona fides as to why they should hire you over somebody else versus if you were back on that street and you're, you know, had a retail store and you were, you know, Julie's pie shop and you're competing with Bob's and Bob doesn't do a great job with the storefront and you do, you're going to get all the business. You guys get the difference. So when you're thinking about human behavior and you're thinking about whether someone was going to choose to work with you or not, make sure you think about the notes from today's Julie, from the podcast that Julie wrote for you. And the notes that she wrote for you are down below in the show description over on iTunes. I will say sometimes uh, iTunes does clip some of our notes. Our full notes are always available um, on our main website, timandjulieharris.com. So follow along if you can, if all the notes are there. This is a long show today. Um, but at the very least, make sure you download them and you use them later. And got, we encourage you to use this when you're educating your team, when you're educating the agents in your brokerage. Use this content. Help us to make the you know agents in the industry and make the industry on a whole better and agents' lives better because they're experiencing more and higher levels of success. Well, it's true. We have all heard the famous and, uh, again, true saying, you never get a second chance at a first impression, whether it's the storefront that you were just talking about or whether it's you personally online or in real life. 
Many studies have shown that the average person forms a lasting impression about another person after between two seconds and two minutes. Now, isn't that, but isn't that interesting? It's a blink. But it is true. Well, how frequently, if you really, listeners, ask yourself this. Julie and I talked about this, right? When you make a first, when you have an impression of somebody, how often, you just assume your impression was right, you know? That was it. That's what the impression was. Um, how frequently, think about this. Can you think of a single example, listeners, where you've had an impression about somebody, where you basically essentially judge somebody, and then you later change your opinion of them? How frequently does that happen? Hardly ever. Because there's something in our minds. It's not bad or it's not good. It just is. It That makes it so that we have, you know, intuitively learned to decide whether the person is somebody we can feel safe around, whether mm-hmm. it's somebody we can trust. This goes back to kind of our, you know, lizard brain type yeah, thing. Yeah, it's baked in, isn't it? Right. I mean, mm-hmm. when we are out meandering about in our, you know, bearskin bikinis, <laughs> wherever the hell people were, right? And you're walking around and you're coming across a, you know, another group of uh, people dressed uh, the same as you and you're carrying your spear and you're, you know, you're going to make really quick first impressions about them. That's one of the reasons, by the way, that when people wave, mm-hmm. they're showing that they have no, you know, weapons in their hands. A lot of the things just we just read do, my mind. That's right. Right. The, a lot of the things we do to this day are because we know that people are, uh, you know, essentially deriving information in milliseconds about mm-hmm. us. So we better make it so that the information that they're, you know, essentially the casts that they're putting us in is how we want to be seen. Exactly right. So think of the last person that you met. What was your first impression of them and why? What do you remember about that encounter? Was it positive, negative, or neutral? Do you recall what they do for a living? Their full name, if they have kids, and where they live? If not, perhaps they failed to make a great first impression. And what would they say about you? To your point, Tim, many studies have shown that 75 to 85% of real estate clients, especially buyers, actually use the first agent that they met. Isn't that amazing? I mean, the first agent. Now, I would say, assuming they made a great first impression... So I'm sure that you'll agree that first impression is something to work on and to curate. It is something about real estate that you can control. Well, that that statistic is primarily for uh, it. So let me say this again: seventy-five to eighty-five percent of all consumers choose the first agent that they meet IRL, right? Face to face, you know, voice to voice, but primarily face to face. That's the person they choose to work with. Now, where the statistics fall off is if that's an agent that doesn't know then how to convert, like say it's a, a person that shows up in your life as a buyer, but they have a house to sell. Mm-hmm. If that agent can't pivot the conversation to focusing on getting the listing sold and all the rest of it, then that seller's probably or that consumer is probably not going to choose that agent. You guys get it? But when it comes to working with first time buyers, the reason that so many agents are attracted to first time buyers is because it's easy to get a first time buyer to work with them because yep. first time buyers up to 85% of the time will work with the first agent that they meet. Oftentimes in an open house or someplace like that. Right. So your job now is to take a look at your first impressions, both online and in real life. Howard Brinton used to call these moments of truth or split second judgments that the public makes about you. Are you friendly, trustworthy, professional, and knowledgeable, or are you someone who they casually meet but forget about the next uh, second? So make a list, and we're going to help you on this podcast to mention where you can find the notes. Make a list of all of your potential points of contact or first impressions with the public. We're going to start with online, and you can make a list as you're listening. Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, WhatsApp, your website, your online real estate profiles on Zillow, Realtor.com, your broker's website, your digital newsletter and marketing campaigns, any other apps or sites that you use. So make a list. Make sure to look at your credit card statement, capture any profiles maybe you signed up for and forgot about. 
That's your online list. Well, then add to it Zillow and all the other webs and all the other portals that, you know, any place where your information is searchable, because what Julie is leading you guys to, you know, look, think of your own behaviors. You met somebody, you met them at a party, you met them in the park, you save their information, you exchange contact, you know, as well as I do, you're searching them on social. You're going to find out if they're a serial killer or not, or at least a, right. a caught serial killer. Or Google killer. them or, yeah, like, but you'll go to social. You want to, you know, you want to know more about them. Right. You're going to, yeah, exactly. So that's what social has become. Social is essentially is the modern white pages in essence. It's a visual white pages. Right. Basically. Okay. So that was your online and many of you have pretty long lists there. Then you move on to your offline list, which is your voicemail message, your sign, your home brochures, even your car your handshake, your directional signs, how you dress. So it's a long list of first impressions, or as Howard used to call them, moments of truth. Well, there are a lot of conversations that come up. It's almost like waves, right? Where there'll be some big debate about, should you drive a fancy car as a real estate agent? I know. Yeah. Here's the answer. If your consumers that you're trying to target all drive specific you know, levels of cars, you should drive the same damn car. When in Rome. When in Rome. That's yeah. the answer. It's not more complicated than that. Yeah, but if you're a farm and ranch guy in the middle of Texas, probably you're driving a pickup truck. Yeah, or, yeah exactly. I mean, Georgetown, Texas. We listed our house with uh, Russ. What was his last Phillips. name? Phillips. Russ Phillips. Russ Phillips is a cowboy. A real cowboy who actually <laughs> rides horses and wears a hat and cowboy boots. And drives, a, and drives a pickup truck. And that made sense in Georgetown, Texas. But if Russ were to drive a half hour down to the center of Austin, uh, where, driving his pickup truck and pull up next to a, you know, a, in one of these little tiny houses that cost $5 million, he's probably not taking that listing. So the answer to the question about what car you should have is the car similar to what your uh, most of your sellers in particular, mm -hmm. what, who you're trying to attract. Be careful. This is wacky advice, but it is true. If you buy a car and if you appear richer than the people you're trying to do business with, you'll be surprised how frequently they choose not to do business with you. Yeah, because it works both ways, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah, we have a coaching client that sells on the space coast of Florida. And, you know, there's a lot of condos, a lot of beach property, and his car is a Vespa. And he loves riding his Vespa around because he can get through all of the gates. He does a lot of door knocking, open houses, and he loves to meet people. So for him, that's working. Well, our contractor, Robert, yes. he was telling me he wanted to buy a certain, he wanted to buy a Rolex uh, GMT Batman, mm -hmm. you know, high nerd stuff right yeah. there. And he was, uh, he, he, were talk he and I were talking about it a little bit. This was months ago. And I thought about it and I thought about it. And then one of the last times I saw him, I told him, as I saw he hadn't purchased the watch. I said, you shouldn't buy that watch. Or if you do, don't wear it when you're around your customers. And I explained to him yeah. that what's going to happen is his customers are automatically going to assume he's wearing a $20,000 watch. He is going to charge me too much to replace my toilet. You guys yep. get it? Mm -hmm. So think out of the box a little bit and think like, you know, you, you are essentially, remember, you're the storefront. You are your own storefront. You are Bob's pie shop, right? So you've got to be thinking about whether or not your storefront is really designed to capture that walk-by audience or those you know potential customers because they're judging you within seconds. This is all about working on yourself. I love working with coaching clients on this type of stuff because it is something that you can control. And by the way, if you and when you become a coaching client, especially elite coaching client, we are going to ask that you send pictures so we can actually see how you actually look. And we are going to, with your you know, permission and with love and care, mostly, we're going to tell you what our first impression of how you look is. Yes, and we'll polish you up if necessary. Some of you guys do a great job on this and are setting the example, so kudos to you. So, so far we have a list of your online and your offline moments of truth. Next, you're going to ask yourself the following questions and polish up your profiles or your first impressions as necessary. 
So number one, these are the filters you're going to put it through. What are you trying to accomplish with each of these profiles? Are you trying to attract buyers and sellers? Are you trying to make realtor connections? What are you actually trying to accomplish with each of those profiles? So you can go through your lists and write down what is the point of each. Next, point number two, what does your profile look like you're looking for? Are you a fisherman or are you a realtor? Are you an investor or are you a broker? Are you both? Do you have any specialties? Are your previous employment profiles more prevalent than your real estate profiles? All of these can be happening at the same time. And remember LinkedIn. If you guys have, um, now really LinkedIn is not a great, for most part, agents are on Instagram. They're on the, you know, the video type socials. But if you have a profile on LinkedIn, LinkedIn gets very high search results. And mm -hmm. if it shows that your tenure in real estate is 22 seconds, you might want to maybe not have a LinkedIn page. You might want to think through it. You might want to actually think, is that how, you know, is that how I want my storefront to be perceived? Right. Adjust accordingly. Maybe you've been in business for 22 years and not 22 seconds. So adjust as you go. Okay. Number three, do you monitor your different assets or did you set it and forget it? Is the information someone sees when they Google you still accurate across all of your profiles? Are you using a headshot from 2003? It's okay to eliminate the old accounts that you're not even using anyway. Fewer but better impressions are okay. And by the way, the pictures, Julie, I think maybe said this, but make sure it's the same picture everywhere. Yeah. And it's the same information everywhere. You should look like you every time. Everywhere. But it's this literally the same picture. Because if you guys want to call it branding, your picture essentially is your brand. So if it's over on all the different platforms, make sure it's your picture that's appearing that's this consistent. Makes sense? Same yeah. phone number, same website, same information. If you've developed a slogan or anything like that, have it be consistent everywhere. Now, if you have to choose, by the way, where you're going to have uh, social profiles, where you're going to invest your time and energy, do it where you feel the most comfortable. Do it where the demographics of the social platform are a match for the demographics of the people you're trying to attract. And you know what? What do you use? You know, do you want, if you're 22 years old and you're on TikTok, I've got some news for you. Your peer group, they're not going to be transacting probably for some time to come. Now, if you're 22 years old, like when Julie got, and I got into the real estate business and you want to attract people that are ready to transact and they're in their late 20s, early 30s, early 40s, you're going to need to adjust accordingly. Where are those people exchanging social information? Facebook. So, you know, think about this. Well, and your look might change too. You know, I, I saw the... The craziest example I have of this, you know how realtors like to take surveys from each other and say, okay, choose which, which picture do you like the best? And this was a guy who was probably mid-20s, but his, like his, his profile pictures were all like wearing ripped jeans and just like really, really casual. And I, everybody kind of piled on and said, well, who are you really trying to attract? You know, to your point, the average first-time home buyer is 38 now. That's your average first-time buyer. So dress appropriately to who you're trying to be, um, you know, attracting. All right. So speaking of which, point number four, do you have any unfinished profiles? Shadow pictures or blank descriptions look like you didn't follow through or maybe you're not even in business anymore at all. Julie, what's that website where people will save, and it's not Etsy, but where they'll save pictures? Pinterest. Uh, Pinterest, right? Yes. You guys got to be careful on Pinterest. P Pinterest <laughs> yeah. can get you into a lot of trouble. Because without you knowing it, your profile on Pinterest that you started building 30 years ago has got some really whack stuff, pictures you've been saving. Cl Eclectic is one thing. Clothes <laughs> you thought were cool like 10 years ago, they're still showing up on Pinterest. 
Yeah. You guys get what I'm saying? So give yourself permission, to Julie's point, to kill some of these social profiles okay. that you don't use because you it's better to have fewer things to manage and really get it at a high level. If Frankly, if I were you know, in all your positions, it would be Facebook and it would be Instagram. Mm-hmm. Maybe X or you know, AKA Twitter, maybe Threads, but really those, those are the two primary channels. Why? The demographics for Facebook are going to be right in alignment with the typical demographic older, you know, of people that are going to actually buy and sell real estate. And social media, or I'm sorry, Instagram is part of uh, Facebook, and those integrate perfectly. So if you post on Facebook, it's going to post automatically in Instagram. All right. So thank you for reminding them of how all that is interconnected. So point number five, how does somebody reach you? Is your mobile number easy to find, or is it just your broker's number? Is your voicemail always full? What impression are you leaving with your methods of communication? I have too many examples of, you know, realtors where their voicemail will say, don't leave me a message here, text me. And then you try and text them and their text bounces. Then you look them up online and they've got, you know, their page, but there's no contact me that's obvious or they have a QR code. It's like, why do you make it so hard? Personally, the move would be just like when Julie and I, so for example, you know, Julie and I are with eXp Realty. One of the best business decisions we ever made, one of the best decisions you'll ever make. We're asking you if you're ready to join eXp Realty. If you're eXp Realty curious, we made it easy for you. There's a link down below in the show description. You can read, it's, uh, click the link and read about why so many agents, we have 33 or 3,400 agents that are with it at eXp. Read about why so many agents are choosing to be part of our eXp Realty group. But if you're, that's where you can go and gather information. So if you're eXp Realty curious, that's where you go. If you're ready to take the next natural step and you're looking for eXp Realty sponsors, listen to what I'm saying, text me directly at 512-758-0206. Text me at 512-758-0206 if you're ready to join eXp Realty and you're looking for a, a sponsor that'll be very proactive in your success. If you're already talking with someone, you've already made your decision, stay with that person. Otherwise, uh, we are. We, it would be our pleasure and our honor for you to consider us as your EXP Realty sponsors. Text us directly at 512-758-0206. Now, why do I want you guys to text? It's very simple because it is a direct, unfiltered form of communication. And when you do text, I have your phone number. And then we can start the conversation. And then I could call you. That's how the process works. You guys need to figure out ways to put fewer steps and processes between your call to action and actually getting the lead. The mistake that a lot of you are making is you think success is about a bunch of filters, uh, a waterfall of someone goes to this, you know, in this CRM and this CRM and they get these five drip campaigns. That does not work anywhere near as putting yourself in a position where if you're ready to buy, if you're ready to list your house, here's my cell phone number, text me, let's have that conversation. However, how many other people in your marketplace in the world are actually doing it that way? That's what people want. The people that are going to text you are the ones that are making decisions actually who they're going to transact with. Those are the leads you want. And they'll always say, you're the only one who called me back. Well, exactly. You know, that's the funny thing. When someone texts me, and hopefully a lot of you are doing it now at 512-758-0206 to join eXp Realty, you you know, what the reaction almost always is, is they can't believe I'm texting back. Is it really you or are you exactly. AI, Tim? Exactly. <laughs> and I get a lot of people asking about AI and, you know, they think it's a bot or an assistant. No, it's me. I'm doing my own lead follow-up. Am I busy? Yes, I am. Do I have a million things going on? Yes, I do. Will I always do 
the you know lead follow-up with regards to what I'm describing to you? Yes, I will. Just like when Julie and I sold real estate, when we ha would have you know mostly higher-end listing leads come in, do you think I wanted an assistant calling that person back and pre-qualifying them? It's Help. the most important thing you do. <laughs> exactly. Why <laughs> would you delegate be. that? The problem with delegation is you abdicate. So like it's, it's point in our book, right? So when you delegate, don't abdicate. What does that mean? Okay, I built this great system. I have all these teams, all these you know, team members. They have all these scripts. I have all these funnels. I'm going to have, you know, Betty's going to call these leads back and blah, 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 blah. Okay, you've abdicated the result the, and you've abdicated the client experience to other people. Even if they're great, they're never going to be as great as you. They're never going to be as urgent as you. They're never going to be as efficient as you. They're never going to be as experienced as you, as intuitive as you. They're never going to get the, they're never really going to care that much about your business as much as you are. Obviously. So high-end lead follow-up, we encourage you to do it yourself and have people text you and then call them back. These are the differences between agents that are operating, salespeople in general, that are operating at the highest levels and all the rest. You wonder why basically it's the 1% of the 1% that make most of the money in life is because they're doing the real work. They're not saying I'm too busy. There's a guy on uh, Instagram, mm -hmm. since we're talking about social. Mm -hmm. I watch his videos. Mm -hmm. he's, a, he's based in London, okay. and he sells used jets. <laughs> nice. That would be fun. Guess what? What? He does all, he's on like a really expensive street, and uh -huh. his, his showroom yep. is an actual jet fuselage. Huh, that when, you, cool. when you go to his showroom, mm -hmm. you actually are walking into a vet, you know, a, basically a big tube, and it's That's a private cool. jet, mm -hmm. and the whole thing. He does all of his own lead follow-up, mm -hmm. and he's got, uh, when you go on Instagram and uh, I suppose also other socials, and you watch his videos, it's him doing his own lead follow-up and calling his leads right back yeah. the second he gets them. And he talks about the importance of urgency, and the dude is selling 15, 20, 30, $50 million used jets. You think he's busy? <laughs> okay. And the reason he's busy is because he does that. It's like a chicken or an egg type of thing, right? He's busy because he does the lead follow-up. And is not so busy to do the lead follow-up. Well, we were at a, a uh, we were speaking at someone's event in Florida last year, and these people were all high on their own supply, talking about you know how many people they had in their own CRMs and all the rest of it. Oh yes, and it was honestly making my skin crawl. And then the market changed in a you know precipitous way, and interest rates went up. Maybe this was two years ago. Mm -hmm. And then some of those people were asking Julie and I for advice, and I asked them how many people they have in their CRMs: twelve hundred, thirteen hundred, eighteen hundred. How many of those people have you called? Oh, no, you old school SOB. I don't call them. I, I drip. double, triple drip them. <laughs> I drip them. I put video. <laughs> I follow them on Facebook. I, so for every one of these air quote leads, you're spending all this digital you know, time, but in some cases, actual money trying to get them to call you, right? Yes. Well, why the hell don't you just call them yourself? Seriously. Why didn't you call them when they first appeared in your life and actually pre-qualified and to find out what their motivation, their time frame is? Oh, uh, that's what I have this drip campaign for. I'm delegating it all. I have this system mm -hmm. in place. Okay, here's what your homework is. I want you to get into your CRM and call every single person in there. And I want you to make note of them, how many have actually transacted with somebody else and use our pre-qualifying scripts and actually pull out the people that have to sell. That's what this world is all about. I get all the seductiveness of all the passive stuff like social media, but at the end of the day, it's the proactive lead generator. It's a furiously fast lead follow-upper. It's the person who has actual sales skills that's always going to win. You want to know what they, what the top 1% know? They know what I just said is true. Yes. Uh, we often talk about, um, what was Jeb Blunt's book, Prospecting. 
I can't Here's remember. The, uh, what was his book? Oh, damn, that was a good book. Uh, I yes. said, ah, damn. I didn't say a bad word. So I if know. you guys think I well, did this, it was ah, damn. The reason I bring him up is because he did a study once about the difference between the top salespeople in the world. And it's not just real estate. He, he uh, teaches sales professionals in all different uh, We ranges. need to have him back on the podcast. We should. Uh, and he said the difference between the top 1% and even the number two and number three in any sales organization is that the number one person makes between four and six times as many calls per day as the rest of the crowd. So if somebody normally makes 10, they're making 40 or 50 or 60 contacts versus the person that thinks they're doing okay doing 10. So if you think you can delegate or abdicate your lead follow-up to all these fancy systems or an army of uh, assistants, you've been lied to. I don't know how else to say it. And I, I don't want to be, I mean, if that offends people, I apologize, but it's the truth. And you can prove it to yourself. Call all the people in your CRMs. When you have someone show up in your life as a lead, your goal is not to build a big CRM. Matter of fact, here's, this will be mind boggling. The best people we've ever coached, and Jeb talked about this in his book as well, have the fewest number of leads. Yep. Why? Because for me to consider you a lead, you have to be really, really qualified. Yes, which makes, naturally, there are fewer of them. And somebody I want to work with. Yes, fanatical prospecting. Fanatical prospecting. And you have to have a relatively short window from my initial contact mm -hmm. to when you're actually going to transact. If you don't meet those criteria, I'm not the professional for you. We're, you're going to find somebody else who's willing to drip on you for 14 years. That's not me. I'm the one looking for the, you guys get it? That's the difference. That's right. So a lot of people think they have 1,200 leads you just have 1,200 names and phone numbers. They're not leads. It's just a database until you actually talk to them. Okay, point number six. This is related. Are you weird about being a sales professional? Do you talk about real estate all the time using up-to-date market information and facts? Where, uh, where are you posting and commenting so that so the public will see you? And what will they think when they read what you wrote? So this brings me to one of the biggest mistakes. And we talk about this on multiple podcasts. Don't be posting that the world is going to crash, that houses are going to come down, there's going to be all this inventory avalanche. That is not based on fact. How many people have you and I almost gotten into fisticuffs with over the last two or three years because they're spouting off absolutely dumpster fire information about a housing crash that was going to happen, how it was just like last time, and then there were just a whole bunch of just garbage on top of garbage, what they were saying. A lot of these people are smart people too. No, they, I, They're I, not I in real estate. I don't think they were smart people. No. I think they were... Uh, anyone who looks, who does a tiny bit of research to know mm -hmm. what's going on in the housing market, and you and I have been saying this for years, no housing bubble, no housing crash. Nope. Anybody who does the tiniest bit of research and applies third grade levels of logic, right? <laughs> well, that's true. And we have a fourth grader, so I'm knowing what I'm talking about know. here. We would know. Okay, <laughs> we would know. They will come to the same conclusion that there's no housing crash. It's impossible there'll be a housing crash. The exact opposite is actually what's happening and will continue to happen probably for the rest of our careers. Anybody who says anything other than that has to be straight up lying to you because they had no facts, no statistics that were reinforcing what they were said. It's just conjecture, but guess what? They were all trying to sell you some sort of doom and gloom type product. Yes, but how does that relate to this? Because we still see too many of you posting. It's mostly agents talking to agents but all of that's Googleable too. You know, if somebody's researching you, they're going to see that you're saying, oh, well, prices have to crash any day. Is that person going to feel like transacting with you? A, you're not even giving them factual information, but B, you're making them feel like maybe they should wait. It, it, it's convoluted. And that goes with like what you post on X, what you post on yes. threads. I mean, Julie, I'm surprised you didn't say this. 
I'll never forget this. This was years oh ago, maybe like 15 years ago. You don't want to bring mm-hmm. up, don't you? So she's doing it. Well, somebody you know showed up in our lives and they wanted to be um, a private one-on-one coaching client. And we, we had like oh, yes. 14 coaches at the time. And everyone who shows up, uh, Julie was the head coach. So she was like running down their profiles. They just There was a process before we assigned you to a coach. Um, anyway, so Julie researched this guy and find, you know, this prospective coaching client and agent, you guys, and looked to see what all, how he was appearing online. And the first, there were two funny things you told me. The one was the guy who was um, essentially real estate and what was it? Worms? Fishing. Okay. His email address was, it's double crazy because there's two things. That not crazy. Well, not crazy. Okay. So but in not... terms of looking as an agent, okay. Right. So his email address was, I sell red worms at AOL.com. Okay. <laughs> so first of all, who uses AOL anymore? But I sell red worms. And as it turned out, he had a great center of influence with his fishing buddies and all this. And this was like his side thing. And that's fine. And in one sense, that made sense. Okay. So him, we could kind of figure out. But then the one that baffled me the most was this gal that I was researching. You know, we have to look up phone numbers and email and Facebook and all that. Um, and everything was alien abduction, beginning to end. Her story, her belief, exactly what happened. But it was on site after site after site. So that was what she was leading with, right? Maybe she was abducted. I'm not here to say, right? But that, that's her permanent record. That's that, her permanent record. That she had created. Yes. That she didn't realize. So this That is, was a moment of truth, a first impression. Right. That's the reason. Exactly. That's the reason Julie and I are always telling you guys to be Republicans. Don't be political. Yes. You know, I know there are some, you know, extreme examples of why it might make sense for you to be political. And I don't disagree. But the reality of it is, is you're going to appeal to more people if you're non-denominational as far as politics go. But also keep in mind like your job is to help people buy and sell real estate and your job is not to like, and if you, if you complain about a restaurant, if you go to Yelp and you complain about a roofer, yes. if you go to these different sites and your name is associated with a lot of complaining and someone's deciding whether or not they want to work with you as a buyer, you know, to buy or sell real estate, all of that past history, your permanent record will show up and you got to ask yourself, how is that you're being perceived? How is, does your storefront mm-hmm. look now? Looks to me like the glass is smudgy. Yeah, that's true. And we all know people that that's kind of their profile and it's not a great reputation, right? Okay. So our last point, number seven, again, we're talking about first impressions. Do you look the same in real life as you do online? Have you polished your look? Malcolm Gladwell states, quote, our first impressions are generated by our experiences and our environment, which means that we can change our first impressions by changing the experiences that comprise those impressions. For example, and we've given you lots of examples today, but for example, if you're trying to break into luxury real estate, but you only wear jeans or shorts, your impression might be missing your market. Even when you're not on real estate appointments, curate your look on Zoom calls, in the gym, or at the grocery. Remember that you have two seconds to two minutes to make an impression. These are just some of the ways that you can make a great first impression. We talked about seven different filters to put all of your impressions through. If you're still not sure how you're coming off, ask your Harris Certified Coach to deep dive into your online and offline impressions and get to work making the best impression possible from the first two seconds to those two minutes. Uh, Bonus point. It is okay and even suggested that if you intertwine a little personal with business on your social. And Julie and I do that on Instagram. You can go over to Instagram and find us at Tim and Julie Harris. Now, why do you do that? Because it takes the edge off. That's why. So if someone finds your Instagram and it's all personal, 
and no business, 90% personal, 10% business, what impression is that leaving? The flip side to it, if it's 90% business and only 10% personal, maybe that starts to work in your benefit, or maybe you need to start moving it towards maybe like 20% personal, you know, an 80% business kind of thing. The point being is you want to make it so that people can get to know you on social, yes. but they also you also want to build your reputation as being a professional by the types of posts and the types of information that you're leaving. Remember, storefront. That's what we're focusing on here. How do people look at you? How do they experience? What's the first experience? We could have talked about signs. We could have talked about how you answer mm-hmm. the phone. We, you know, we, there's so many well, other things. Well, that's all in the book. That's in the Harris Rules book. Harris Rules book, but also we really drill down on coaching. that in coaching. So remember, you have one opportunity to make a really powerful first impression, but you have many points your moments of truth, to quote Howard Britton, where you're going to be coming in contact with people, sometimes dozens of points. Mm -hmm. Write all of them down. We've given you hopefully a little bit, some memory joggers here, and make sure every single place someone might stumble across you, your sign, how you, Julie talked about how you dress, the car you drive, all of those things. Make sure they're in alignment with how you want your storefront to be perceived. Otherwise, that consumer is just going to walk right by and go to somebody else's pie shop and you're going to be sitting on a mountain of pies. <laughs> <laughs> and pies expire like houses do. <laughs> yeah, they do. Okay. I think that's a good Our podcast has peaked. Okay. It has. You guys have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you on the show tomorrow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.